0: Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi everyone, and welcome to the 537th episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack, and I'm a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia.
1: I'm Mike Allen. I'm a family doctor and the Director of Practice board at the College of Family Physicians
0: of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta. And Mike, our guest today is everything to do with cardiology. We've had Ricky on, uh, Ricky Turgeon on a a few times. We've talked about heart failure and I think colchicine, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, And for some strange reason, we're bringing him back to talk about influenza vaccines. But there's a a twist to it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And this guy, we've been trying to get rid of him for 15 years or more. And... Mm Every time I turn around, there he is. I was in Edmonton. There he is. I yeah. To BC, There he is. <laughs> went you. to speak in. Went to speak in Halifax.
0: There he is. There you go. And here he is again, Ricky. Welcome to
1: the podcast again.
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love following you guys around wherever you go. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. So it's the other way around now, Ricky. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, Ricky, let him let him know uh, who you are.
2: Sounds good. Hey, everybody, Ricky Toljon from the um, UBC Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences, same as James, just yeah. uh, more junior. I also work as a, a clinical pharmacist at the PharmHF clinic at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, which is a, it's a pharmacist-led uh, heart failure clinic.
0: Yeah. And uh, coming, uh, a number of the risk calculators that we're going to be developing or are developing over the next little while are sort of the brainchild or at least being overseen by Ricky so that he's Got got his finger in many pies, but today our uh, so Ricky, what I sort of teased that we're going to talk about the influenza vaccine, but what has that got to do with with the heart?
2: Ah, lovely question, James. Mm-hmm. I think since the Spanish flu in the you can tell me uh, yeah, in I was the around then. Yeah. Since yeah. the Spanish flu, we've known that uh, flu infection is uh, associated with uh, myocardial infarction and all sorts of cardiovascular disease. So. Right. Um, what we're talk about today is really around whether uh, vaccinating or immunizing against flu vac- uh, influenza can actually reduce the risk of cardiovascular events.
0: Yeah, no, that there, yeah. and and you know, because just because there's an association doesn't mean it necessarily leads to a benefit, and so that's why there, are, but there are some trials that have looked at this, which is what we're going to go over. Absolutely. So, what evidence if did we- you guys find? And, and you guys did this. Uh, 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 I think Mike Colber was involved and Blair McDonald, who is working with you as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we we did a tools for practice on this uh, in January. Uh, We're now at the tail end of the flu season, of course, so we're nothing Mm -hmm. if not timely. Um, But we (laughs) we did a tools for practice on this very question, focusing again on um, that PICO question of looking at uh, the ability of the flu vaccine to reduce the risk of uh, major adverse cardiovascular events. And although we didn't want to focus specifically on people with cardiovascular disease, we, we found what we found. Yeah. Um, so we set out and found at least five systematic reviews, with randomized control trials um, with a meta-analysis. And there are plenty more, but there's been some newer trials in the last two years. And so we focused in on some of the more recent meta-analyses that captured these. Um, what we ended up finding within those was that there was quite a bit of variability depending on how the systematic reviews were, were designed. But for the most part, they included five to eight randomized control trials. And depending on which trials they included, they had anywhere from 4,200 to about 12,000 patients. And again, follow-up duration varied, but the longest trials were about 12 months. Um, if we look at the different types of populations that these trials have looked at, For the most part, if you're looking for primary prevention, people without existing cardiovascular disease, what you find is pretty limited evidence. So in that scenario, the only time that cardiovascular events are really measured is as a safety outcome in some of these general population studies. And you you could imagine when you're not really targeting the question to the population, the events are pretty rare and essentially inconclusive evidence there. Um, where there is evidence is really around people with cardiovascular disease and specifically coronary artery disease and that, so and that makes sense with-
0: yeah, i was going to say because if you you know when you're doing a vaccination or an influenza vaccination trial you're really not looking at necessarily reducing cardiovascular events you're looking at reducing getting the influenza vaccine oh, getting getting influenza getting influenza and so like you said, it all depends on, I guess, the baseline risk of what your chance of getting a cardiovascular event. And then obviously in secondary prevention, it's higher.
2: You bet. Historically, we've always, by we, I mean, especially Mm -hmm. like cardiovascular clinicians tend to recommend uh, influenza vaccination and other sort of pulmonary vaccines for people, because we know that people with cardiovascular disease tend to have worse cardiopulmonary type of complications from things like influenza and pneumococcus, uh, COVID, for example. So there's always been that backing, Mm -hmm. but we've never really focused on the actual cardiovascular benefits of these uh, vaccines, at least not in the past, like you said.
0: Cool, so what did they find?
2: So when you actually focus in on people with coronary artery disease, um, the best evidence that we found was a a systematic review meta-analysis of five randomized control trials. Um, Like I said, it's at the lower end there with about 4,200 patients. And so they were looking again, Uh, with the angle of patients with coronary artery disease, which could include people who had literally an MI or myocardial infarction yesterday, uh, and people with more stable coronary artery disease. Maybe they still had angina or at least a history of angina. And when you look at all of those trials together, which vary a little bit in quality as well as which specific flu vaccine they gave, regardless, what you find when you look at all of those together um, is a reduction in cardiovascular events and a reduction in all-cause death. Now, is, and that's fairly and that's fairly impressive.
0: To, I mean, that, those are you know obviously two important endpoints.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of pinpoint a little bit towards there being an actual cardiovascular benefit rather than just oh, is it mortality from mm-hmm. less pneumonia, et cetera? Right. Uh, And so when you look at all those together, you see about on a relative scale, you see about a um, 37% relative risk reduction cardiovascular events, which includes myocardial infarction, stroke, and uh, death from cardiovascular causes. If you try to translate that numerically to more something more meaningful, like an absolute risk reduction, when you look at the meta analysis, you're looking at about a 6% absolute, uh, absolute risk reduction. Um, For mortality... It's, uh, it's about 42% relative risk reduction. When you translate that to an absolute number, it's about a 2% relative risk, uh, absolute risk reduction. So if you're still into NNTs, it's a number need to treat of 50 over the course of a year. So in terms of the uh, where that comes from, really there's one randomized control trial that really um, drives these results. Um, so I think it's important to, for us to kind of hone in on that and describe that a little bit more. Um, So, you know, the biggest and probably best trial that we're looking at is a randomized control trial done in 2021. And this was a trial of 2,500 patients who were within three days of having a myocardial infarction. And so these patients were essentially randomized to flu vaccine or no flu vaccine um, within three days of that MI, so usually as an inpatient. Um, And they were followed up for up to one year. And so over the course of that year, about 5% of patients receiving placebo died compared to about 3% in the treatment or the uh, flu vaccine group. And when you're looking at cardiovascular events, about 7% in the placebo group had an event versus about 5% in the treatment group. So either way, you're looking there at about a, a 2% absolute risk reduction or a number need to treat of 50 over the course of a year.
0: And now, Mike, you, you had a... you. You found there was something specific about some of those uh, cardiovascular events that you were going to bring up.
1: Yeah, just it's it's interesting to me that in this clinical trial, what if you looked, if you kind of teased out individual outcomes, the outcome that was driving the primary outcome and the outcome that was driving the all cause death outcome was very specifically cardiovascular death. That dropped uh, around 2%. And then that result, that 2% showed up in both the primary outcome and the all-cause death outcome. So it's, it's interesting. It really didn't, in this, in the, in the clinical trial, it really didn't shape much or change much the rate of non-fatal MI, non-fatal stroke, that kind of thing. It, it didn't impact that. But Ricky, you're saying, we chatted earlier and you mentioned that that wasn't the case in some of the other results.
2: Yeah, I mean some of the older trials that were done before this one were a whole lot smaller and and used different methods and everything and they tended to focus more on those composite outcomes and in those trials they tended to find differences in non-fatal events and not this inc- this uh, reduction in mortality. You know yeah, what What's driving okay. that difference? I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, what is encouraging to me is the fact that you're actually reducing the fatal stuff. You're actually reducing the risk of dying, which I think is really key and very different from what we see in a lot of newer, more recent cardiovascular trials, typically.
1: Yeah my my identification of this interesting finding is not meant to dissuade anyone or leave the impression that I think the results are somehow invalid. That's not it at all. It's just interesting. We don't we don't get a two percent reduction in death in one year from many things um and so it just it's it's interesting to me how effective um this was uh there are things that work even better so if people just had an mi in their smokers and you get them to stop the reductions are nine ten um percent kind of thing and so those are that that's obviously even better but just something as simple as a flu shot
0: for a 2% absolute reduction in death in one year is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, no, for sure. You thought you said you just don't see those numbers typically, but there, there were some limitations with that, with, with this data though, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, the biggest driver was that one trial, which was done in people right after they had their event. Mm-hmm. And so some of these meta-analyses, they've looked to see um, what was the benefit in people who were You know, within a few days to months of their acute coronary syndrome versus patients with more stable coronary disease. And at least what that suggests, and primarily driven by the fact that the biggest trial is in people with a recent event, is that, you know, there's very clear benefit in those patients with a recent myocardial infarction or acute coronary syndrome. It's a lot less clear in people with more stable disease.
0: The other thing is that we really don't
2: know what the benefit is in terms of. uh, uh, um, annual vaccination. So this was a one year trial. They only went through one flu season. And so again, what is the continued benefit in terms of cardiovascular events of continuous vaccination in those subsequent years where people are at lower risk and further away from their event?
0: Yeah. And I guess it would be interesting to figure out, you know, are they, you know, are they having less cardiovascular disease? Because if you get influenza, you're going to be at greater risk in it. And when you combine influenza, an influenza infection with a person who's already got a cardiovascular history, is that what's doing them in? Because it looks like almost all the deaths were, uh, cardio, uh, being the, the mortality reduction was purely just cardiovascular. It wasn't like they died of pneumonia or, you know, other endpoints, right? mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it was also very, you know, most of the benefit, the separation between the groups happened pretty much right away within those first few yeah, months, so right in that period.
0: Yeah, no, yeah,
1: if you look at the curves, right, Ricky, it, it was pretty dramatic, the effect. So there's, yeah, it was impressive um, how how quickly it happened. Uh, usually it takes time to accumulate in the in the lines to separate, but it wasn't in this case. I, I did know one thing, Ricky, that you didn't mention the, a uh, 5% increase in locals <laughs> injection site reactions.
2: Of course, yes, laughing... they have to be balanced.
1: Yeah, yeah that's right. Bad. I just think many of our colleagues who, we, uh, one of the things peer does a lot is try and summarize information down. And we're recently writing something up on this trial and, and they had all of these outcomes about <laughs> injection reactions and stuff. And I said, do we really need that? Is this a surprise that that the flu shot can be a bit irritating for a few people? Like it's 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 a, it's a such a well known thing. But I know our as as you exactly said, we want to be as balanced as possible. Yeah. So it does irritate
0: a few people. But yeah, just but well, personally, I think you know a five percent absolute increase in local injection site reactions wipes out it. the two percent absolute benefit from death. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on.
1: And the benefit in flu and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The five percent irritation for half a day wipes out everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting that we we're trying to be balanced, but yeah, you, we kind of sometimes lose sight of the relative weight of yeah, things yeah. That's, that seems a little less important. Now, the, one of the things I did want to mention about these is that, and you kind of talked about it, Ricky, earlier that the. the The original observational data was promising in this regard. But of course, observational data would have a a big healthy user effect in that if I'm, if I'm a kind of person who wants to take care of myself um, and uh, avail myself of everything that might prevent um, uh, illness and disease and that kind of thing, I'm, I'm going to be someone who's going to get the flu shot. I'm also going to be someone who's going to eat a little more carefully, drive a little safer, I'm less likely to be a smoker, all of those things. And so the observational studies, which included them, naturally had a bias to find that those using the flu shot were likely going to do better than those who weren't.
2: Yeah, and we we see that all the time in um, trials of cardiology drugs, right? Statins are associated with every good thing that could ever happen. So I think that's a really good point, Mike, in terms of the design and um, not necessarily relying on those observational results. Those associations are interesting, but when they're confirmed by a randomized control trial like this, it's, uh, I mean, that's the definitive answer.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, this is, we were just, uh, again, because of the lipid guideline coming up, talking to people about the use of statins to prevent, does it cause or prevent um, uh, dementia. And the, the answer is, if you look in observational studies, pe- there's reports of it causing it in these kind of idiosyncratic ways. And then if you look at observational studies, it actually prevents it. But again, it's just the healthy user effect. And if you randomize trials that looked at dementia as an outcome found no effect at all. So it's it's just, it just reaffirms to us yet again, the importance of a randomized control trial over observational studies where where these things occur um where it can be it can be deceiving or misleading the information we get
0: yeah and and so and and what we saw was that's in and i think you're you're suggesting that it's that in people who have acute coronary syndrome but were, you also got you guys also were able to uh find some information on people with heart failure
2: yeah, and in addition to that, so there was a, a another recent trial done in people with heart failure, irrespective of their ejection fraction, had about five thousand patients and followed them for two years. That one's a lot less encouraging, to be honest with you. It, there, you know, there was a reduction in all cause hospitalization, but that was seemingly pretty much all driven by a reduction in, in pneumonia, which is kind of again the original reason why we'll. Mm -hmm. treat people um will vaccinate people with heart failure and other high risk cardiovascular conditions because it actually reduces the complications of the influenza itself so slightly different answer there that didn't find any reduction in actual cardiovascular events
0: but a three percent reduction in hospitalizations 15 versus 18 percent
2: yeah so that's still an important
0: yeah yeah for for sure for a single thing right uh, you know it's not a pill that you take every day and all that sort of stuff but which is good and then and then i think we sort of uh, mentioned this a little bit but primary prevention uh, has been looked at in in a couple of rcts but they didn't find anything right
2: no exactly uh, and again that was as a sort of safety outcome in in those flu vaccination general population studies you would you'd need tens of thousands of people yeah. without cardiovascular disease to show a difference there if there was one
1: Ricky, you're doing trials now, so this might be a trial for you to do it in primary prevention. But one of the tricks is, is the issues with primary prevention is the patients aren't at high enough risk. So as part of your criteria, you could force them to start smoking. Yeah, yeah I don't you know. know and, I mean, you run
0: ethics. You were yeah, on well, ethics I, yeah, I so did ethics for a, a long time. I, I see no problem with that.
2: And you're saying you're not doing it anymore, James? I wonder. No,
0: well, I, that might explain why I'm no longer on the ethics board. But uh, no, yeah, it's, it, that's always the problem. If you don't, if you don't have a high, higher risk person in a thing, it makes you'd have to study, you know, tens of thousands of people. So, uh, what, why don't we just get to the? What, so, what was the context that you guys came up with, Ricky?
2: Right. Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about some of the, you know, initial existing associations mm-hmm. between. Influenza and cardiovascular disease. So that's one big piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all love guidelines. Um, They do, the cardiovascular guidelines do generally recommend um, flu vaccination for people with coronary or really any cardiovascular disease are at high risk. And it's primarily based on that non-cardiovascular benefit. Um, When you look at flu vaccination compared to other things that we do for people with cardiovascular disease, with coronary disease. The benefit is at least as good, if not better than many of our old tried and true things like aspirin, statins, ACE inhibitors. Uh, And certainly from the perspective of having a reduction in mortality puts it head and shoulders above other stuff like ezetimibe and some of your other favorites. So to me, it's a pretty low downside type of intervention um, to incorporate for people, especially if they've had a recent myocardial infarction, some critical, uh, some Coronary care units actually have it as part of their sort of typical orders to offer a uh, flu vaccine now. And I certainly think it's one of those post-discharge things that everybody should be offered, at least, with this information in context.
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I think, you know, the evidence is pretty clear for that. I think I think you'd agree, wouldn't you, Mike, that it's, you know, it's as good as some of the things that we do or that we for struggle sure. with. Uh, and, and this is just a single you know, a single flu shot and you can get, get them in so many different places and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, not, uh um, seems to me that it's something certainly of value, e- even if you didn't ha- have a reduction in death, even if it was from a pneumonia perspective. So um, anything else either of you guys want to add to this? I,
1: I'm, I'm heartened to hear, Ricky, that it's added to the, the kind of standardized orders on um, cardiovascular patients. Because to me, this is, and we joked about the the you know the five percent um injection site reaction and james was saying like it's this is a single thing it might be slightly irritating for you know half a day mm-hmm. and uh, for the for the benefit of a two percent reduction and it doesn't sound like a lot when we say things like two percent but that's in a one year for for literally um you know so, something that takes a couple minutes to administer
0: yeah
1: um, it's really hard to get things that are this um, easy to do with such a benefit in such a short term of only a year so this to me is a a kind of slam dunk and we've been talking about it to primary care audiences saying if they didn't get it make sure they get it um, when they come in post MI like in follow-up after their MI but you wouldn't be able to mirror the, the study as perfectly because it's a three day thing, but still be able to give a
0: shot within, you know, a week or so. And in the- Ch- I was going to say in theory, you should get a reduction in um, uh, influenza infections. yeah so exactly. You, they, you, get,
1: like- you get that as well. So, you yeah. know, it's a, this is, this is a, it is one of these things that we often look for in medicine that has way more upsides than it has a downside.
0: Sorry, I was going to say, and it only took us 537 podcasts to get to that. <laughs> one. We're done now. This is the last Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Go <laughs> ahead, Ricky. You were going to say something.
2: Well, I was just going to say, um, there is one trial that came out last week that was quite interesting called Nudge Flu. I, I, I'm not sure if you guys are going to talk about it, but I think it's really interesting. And it was, it's a, a Danish study. And they randomized the entire population of Denmark to different messages for flu vaccinations. And the message that rang the truest or at least led to nudging more people to actually get flu vaccination was to tell them a one sentence summary basically saying this may reduce your risk of cardiovascular events beyond, you know, the authorities say you should do this beyond the actual reduction in pneumonia. The cardiovascular risk reduction seemed to be the thing that Actually, push people towards maybe getting vaccination.
1: Now, Ricky, that was there was some confounding there because it said James McCormick says this could reduce cardiovascular disease. Yeah, and so the confounding th- was because it, it,
0: when I said it, it a hundred percent uptake. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, I don't think they let you in Denmark, to be honest. Um, no. My wife's there. They're good people. My wife comes from there. So they're good people. They probably wouldn't let no, someone no, like no,
0: you or me in. <laughs> there, 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 may been a, there may have been a legal issue many, many years ago when I was a student. We'll maybe, that. maybe. In fact, I've never been to Denmark. So <laughs> if there is, that'd be weird. So uh, anything else, Ricky, that you want to bring up about it?
2: No, that's everything.
0: Yeah. No, great stuff. Great stuff. So uh, I think uh, we'll leave it at that. So thanks as always for listening. Talk to you
1: later.